Okay. I think, is this on? Can you hear me? Because I can't deal with these things at my hands to record. But uh, we're going to start. We're on lesson three. And it's on honesty. And it's from this Bible study, Seeking Him, Experience the Joy of Personal, I want to say ongoing revival. Because like we were talking on Sunday night, we need ongoing, right? Revival, we have to continually see our need for a greater infilling of the Holy Spirit just to live out the words of Jesus because without the help of the Holy Spirit, we struggle. I mean, we struggle. So let's just open in prayer before we start, okay? And Lord, we do thank you that we can come together once again and study your word together, Lord. And I do pray that you would minister to our hearts tonight and that you would also come to those that are listening online. Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw us, continue to strengthen us by your Holy Spirit and being the man. Lord, we just look to you for everything we have needed tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we went through the teaching on humility which was coming to God on his terms. And we learned that pride is a roadblock to revival. And we also saw that humility is the first prerequisite for revival. Tonight, we'll be looking at the willingness to be honest with God and others about our true spiritual condition, which is another prerequisite for ongoing revival. Because if we don't see really our need for the Lord. We won't go after the Lord. We won't seek the Lord for whatever it is that we need inside. So I don't know how many were able to look at the humility homework that I passed out last week. Were any able to look at that? No, some in the class. So do either one of you want to share what maybe the Lord showed you through that homework before we go into the honesty portion of the study? Pride is a big deal to God. And one person here is saying that they see that they're full of it. We're all full of it. I mean, we're all full of pride if we're honest with ourselves. The other person said she saw her need for humility. And I think what I shared last week is when we start asking the Lord, Lord, give me opportunity to clothe myself in humility. He starts bringing all these different scenarios and you feel pride rising up in the heart. But God reminds us, remember what you prayed for? And it's like, oh yeah. And the Holy Spirit just reminds us this is an opportunity to walk in humility in this situation. So in this lesson for this week, what follows with after seeing how much pride we have, how much we need to walk in humility, honesty is breaking the silence, being real about who we are, what's going on inside. Like on Sunday night when I shared with everyone what I was struggling with why I went down to the altar, I was sharing with Jeff when we left. I said that was like a perfect setup for the class because our next class was on honesty, but I didn't realize I had walked into that on Sunday night with you all. So honestly, just being real with God and with others 
about where we're really at. So why do you think honesty and confession is important to our spiritual growth based on Proverbs 28, 13? That should be on your handout. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So why is honesty and confession before the Lord? Because I want mercy and he gives mercy. He's one of the reasons. I want to grow. Right. The other answer was I want to grow in him, and if I'm holding on to unconfessed sin, I'm hindering my own growth. Anyone else? That word to prosper means to advance, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. And if we wonder why sometimes we're stuck in our growth, in our relationship with the Lord, it could be we're not being honest with ourselves or with others where we're really at spiritually. Because again, what you see from that scripture from Proverbs 28.3 is if we confess and forsake, there's nothing but mercy there for us. And we'll start prospering. God will help us in that area that we're confessing that we're weak and where we're struggling. I love this quote from the Bible study. It says, God is not a bully. He's a savior. He cannot be soft on sin. His justice requires absolute holiness, a standard none of us can possibly meet apart from Jesus. So that should be good news to us all here. The demands of God's justice have been satisfied through the sacrificial substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. However, we must come clean, we must confess. Silence only condemns by keeping us guilty. And sometimes we may feel a weight of condemnation because we're not coming into the light with something that God wants us to come into the light with. God faithfully gives his strained children opportunity to repent. And I'm so thankful for that. He wants us to break the silence and admit our wrongdoing and or sinful attitudes. He may do this by sending one of his servants to confront us or by causing us to suffer the consequences of our sin or by allowing us to experience a deeper sense of his love and mercy. However, God chooses to get our attention the best response to him is an honest one. Honesty is liberating. And for those that maybe struggle with being honest and real, maybe that's good to put somewhere honesty is liberating. You know, it, it really is liberating. One of the blessings of honesty before God we see in Psalm 32, and this is when David tried to hide his sin for, for God for about a year when he had sinned with Bathsheba, and he said in Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. So because he confessed his sin, Psalm 51, he saw the blessing of God in forgiving his sin, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, 
and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now notice how his sin affected him physically. He said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old and through my groaning all the day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me and my vitality or my strength was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. So sometimes when we are holding on to sin, it does affect us physically as we see from this Psalm 32. But then David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. And again, that's, that's that mercy that we read about Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And David experienced the mercy of God, even though there were consequences because of his sin with Bathsheba, he still experienced God's mercy in his life. And we do too every time we confess and we're honest before God. Psalm 51, verse 5 and 6, again, from David, Behold, he realized I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me, meaning I was born a sinner. And for those of you that have young kids, the minute they learn how to talk, what's the first thing they usually say? No, or mine. But who taught them that? No one. It's just there. So it goes to show you that the human heart is birthed in sin, you know, and that's why we need a savior. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and that means you desire for me to be honest inside, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Who's wisdom? Wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God. So somehow when we're confessing to God, when we're honest before the Lord about who we are inside, we have a greater revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. And then there's a greater appreciation for him. And from that appreciation, just grows love because you realize, man, I love him because how can he love me knowing what I am inside and who I am inside better than I even know who I am inside. So personal revival begins when the believer faces his sin honestly, though painful. It's not pleasant. <laughs> it's painful sometimes to be really honest. Only God, only honesty with God and others will enable the Christian to walk in purity and power. So there's a testimony in the Bible study that I like to read because it's really a wonderful testimony of a woman that just decided to come clean with some things. Her name is Haley Mullins. And she said, you don't know what grace is on the other side of confession, her friends said. I heard her and part of me wanted to believe her, but deep down I wondered, is God really going to come through if I confess? I had hidden that sin for years. I didn't know what it would cost me to speak truth and I was ashamed. I was terrified, but God, he came through as he always does. He gave me the grace to confess and there was grace, even in the difficulties on the other side. Honesty and confession is always accompanied by grace because it puts us in the place of admitting our need for God. And that's important there. It just admits our need for God. He is faithful to make himself known to us in those moments. And her testimony was you could trust him. And I know there are times that we have unconfessed sin in our lives that we are ashamed of. I remember once 
years ago. I don't even know if Diane remembers. I don't even think I was married yet to your brother. But I had a, a sin from my past that I was totally ashamed of. And I remember I went to her and confessed it. And it was the first time I told anyone. But that opened the door, right, for us to start sharing with one another stuff that God was healing us and setting us free from. So sometimes we're ashamed of these things that we've done in the past. But when you confess them, you realize, I'm not the only one that has skeletons in my closet. We all have skeletons in our closets, you know, that we're ashamed of. But Jesus died for that. You know, and that's when we have to realize he died for that sin. He knew what I was capable of. He knew what you were capable of. And he went to the cross for that very thing. And if we've confessed it, grieved over what we've done, grieved over what we're like, he forgives us. He loves us. He doesn't hold it over our head like we keep holding it over our head. He doesn't hold it over our head. He said, you've been forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Don't continue to sin in that area of your life. So the blessing of walking in the light, I, I keep calling it the blessing of walking in the light because it is a blessing walking in the light. We saw it in Psalm 32, but in First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, the Apostle John wrote, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And here we see again, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And again, that's good news. That's good news. So, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, if the Lord is putting his finger on something from the past that maybe you've never told anyone or confessed, don't be afraid to bring it to the light because there's only mercy and grace there waiting for you and healing. You'd be surprised how the Lord brings healing. Also, when we bring things to the light with someone you know you can trust, not someone that's going to be blabbering it all over the place, you know what so-and-so did, you know. Don't confess nothing to that person. You confess as the Lord leads you. Confess to those that you know it's safe. It's a safe place to confess. Roy Hessen said, if we feel we are innocent and have nothing to be broken about, it's not that these things are not there, but that we have not seen them. And how many times is that true? We've been living in a realm of illusion about ourselves. And Jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10 really is like a commentary on what he stated there, Roy Hessen, where Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Jesus said, there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to the light. In Mark 4, 22, 
And Hebrews 4 verse 13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And how many times is that true? Maybe when you're in the word of God for yourself or maybe in a service, right? And the word of God is being preached and all of a sudden you feel like you're being totally exposed by the Lord. He's exposing motives and attitudes of the heart that are sinful and not pleasing to him. I can't tell you how many times that's happened for me that I see, man, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. You know, but that's what God's word does. It exposes us in that way. And it's better he exposes us now when we deal with the sin now than being judged later, you know. I mean, judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and we see that to those that are open to the Holy Spirit in that way in the Word of God. See, our, our natural instinct is to avoid telling the truth about ourselves. And I know this was like really, really so preeminent in my life as a kid. I can't tell you how many times I would blame things on my brother. My brother would get in trouble for stuff that it was me. I was the guilty one. And I would lie about it. No problem. I'd lie to my mom. It wasn't me. It was Paul. My mother would be like, and Paul would be, she's lying. It wasn't me. It was her. And I'm like, no, it wasn't me. It was you. That's our tendency, right? I mean, to avoid telling the truth about self, but you know what? The older you get, and then if you get saved and you're born again, and God starts exposing these things, you find yourself going back to your mom saying, you know, mom, I got to confess something to you. And she says to me, I always thought maybe it was you or maybe it was so-and-so, some guy I was dating. It was like, no, it was me. I was the guilty one, you know, but that's the first thing the Lord will do when you come to him. He starts dealing with your heart to come into the light about things, stop covering things up from your past that you blamed everyone else for. My poor brother got in so much trouble and I had to go to him and repent to him when I came to the Lord. Paul, I'm sorry. Sorry, I got you in so much trouble. But I was a guilty one. So, but reality is God sees, right? He sees what's in our heart. He knows what we've done. Adam and Eve try to hide what they did from God, right? In Genesis 3, but God went in the cool of the day looking for them. Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. Adam, what did you, he knew what Adam did. He was just trying to get him to confess what he did. How about David, when God sent Nathan to David after he had slept with Bathsheba and killed her husband, and then she was pregnant on top of it, and he tried to hide it all, but God loved him too much to let him hide it, so he sent Nathan to confront his sin. What about Saul and Samuel in 1 Samuel 12? God told Saul to kill King Ahag, right? There was a reason. He wanted that whole line cut off, but he didn't. He spared them. And how did Saul respond? The people. The people made me do it. It's not my fault. It's not my response. It's their fault. They made me do it. Samuel wasn't pleased with that answer that he gave him. What about Jesus and the disciples? So amazing. When they were at the table at the Last Supper, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and they're arguing who is the greatest among them. Talk about the pride in the heart of man. And here he started washing their feet. 
But they were arguing, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Surely it's me. No, it's me. No, it's me. But that's the human heart. You know, that's what the human heart is capable of, trying to hide our sin. And Jesus knew they were arguing because he said to them, what are you talking about? He knew their thoughts. He knew what was going on. What, what are you talking about? What was the conversation you were just having to try to get them to confess? So confessing our sin breaks the silence and ushers in forgiveness and the cleansing of God as we see throughout all these scriptures that we looked at earlier. When we confess our sin and we break the silence of feeling like we have to cover it up, we can't come into the light with it, it just ushers in when we say, no, I'm going to be open, honest, real before God, before others. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care what I look like. I don't care about my image. This is where I'm struggling in. When we come to that place, we're really ushering in the forgiveness and cleansing of God. Because again, whoever confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy from the Lord. Paul Tripp says we can be courageous in admitting our sin precisely because God is richly abundant in his mercy. And again, we see that with the thief on the cross, right? The thief on the cross was guilty. He knew he was guilty, though. And what did Jesus say to him? Today you'll be with me in paradise because he realized I'm guilty. I should be the one hanging here, not you. I'm guilty of being judged in this way, not you, Jesus. And he found abundant mercy, abundant mercy there. So what are some of the areas of our lives that we commonly try to hide from others? Does anyone want to answer that question? What are some of the areas of our lives that we commonly try to hide from others? Overwhelmed or overcommitted and saying, oh, I'm okay, I'm fine. Sorry. Right, right. Explain it away and just continue. Yeah, yeah, that's good too. That's a good answer. When we screw up something, we explain it away, sweep it under the rug, pretend like it's not there instead of confessing, you know, what we've done or what has happened. What other areas? Can anyone think of anything else? What are some of the areas of our life that we commonly try to hide from others? Why do you think we do that? Because we want to look perfect. That's good. And it's true. We don't want people to see who we really are. You know? So why do you think other people might be afraid to be honest with us about their struggles? Yeah, it's harder to come to someone who you think is perfect. Why else do you think people might be afraid to be honest about their struggles? 
person could be a gasa. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If someone talks about a, another person's struggle to another group of ladies, the tendency is they'll talk about your struggles to another group of ladies. So. What about, because I've heard this a lot, especially when I go out speaking to women, a lot of times they're afraid to be honest with others because they're afraid of being judged. You know, that they're going to look down on me with this self-righteous attitude that, oh, I would never do that. Or how could you? Because I'm a sinner. That's how could I? You know, but I've heard that a lot from women that they're afraid to come into the light with things because they're afraid of being judged by other people in the church. It's sad. It's sad that that's the atmosphere that is prevalent, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, if we're all honest with one another and real, we don't have to pretend to be something we're not. You know, we could be honest when we're struggling. You know, I'm overwhelmed. I took on too much on my plate. I, I don't know what to do now. I overextended myself. You know, just being real in that way. Or I, I just messed everything up. I don't know how I did this. <laughs> I guess I'm not paying attention or whatever. I mean, I'm just, I need the Lord to help me to be more focused, whatever it might be. You know, for me, I, my brother's going in for surgery tomorrow, 7.30 in the morning, major surgery, two hours. And then I get a message from my brother in Puerto Rico. He just had a heart catheter. He's only 38 years old and he had a blockage and he was calling to tell me. So, you know, we have days like that, that it's like, wow, how am I going to teach this class tonight? By grace and prayer that we had this morning with Ronnie Jackson, <laughs> you know, trusting in the Lord. But we all have days that we're just like, I don't have to try to pretend I got it all together and that I could do this. I can't do this unless the Lord helps me. I have to confess that, get it out, you know, get it out in the open. So what do you think are some of the benefits of living an open, transparent life? What are some of the benefits you think? I'm sorry. It's freeing. It's freeing. It really is. Yeah. It is. Right. Yeah. I don't have to be afraid someone's going to find out whatever. Yeah. That is freeing. It really is. Any other? Creates a safe atmosphere. It can create a safe atmosphere for other people to come and bear their heart to you when you're open and honest and real. So honesty, this is from the Bible study, honesty breeds honesty. And I've learned that early on as a counselor, when I counsel in my counseling sessions, I try to be very real with the ladies that I'm counseling that come to um, the counseling center about my own struggles, about who I am. And I find that as I do that, I've been doing that for years, way back at Pure Life, they let their walls down because they realize 
You struggle with that too? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, we all struggle. There's no temptation that's there, but what is common to man. We all struggle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride in some form or fashion. All of us. Because we're human beings and we have a fallen nature, as we read. Like David said, in iniquity, my mother can see me. I was born this way. That's why I need to be born again. And even though I'm born again, I still have a sinful nature. That's why I need the Holy Spirit <laughs> to help me, you know, to overcome, to crucify the sinful nature. So what we see is when someone gets honest with brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's loved and supported, then others would also begin to lose their fear of being honest. Walking in the light restores and preserves unity in the church. Preserves unity in the church. Pride says, we looked at pride last week, I'm not going to tell you or show you any of my areas of weakness. That's just pride. When we're holding that up. That facade up. But humility says, I don't care if people see the real me. This is why I desperately need what Jesus did on the cross for me. It's why I need him. Because of what you see about me. I need him. So the handout that I am giving you for next week as a homework assignment, you can go deeper in the study here, which is from the Bible study. It's scriptures there you can look up. But there are three areas that the handout is going to focus on. Honesty with God. That was the first area. The second area, honesty with myself. And the third area, honesty with others. So with honesty with God, we already read Psalm 51 verse 6. says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and and that means you desire for me to be honest and real in my heart about what's going on in there. And some of the examples here that I'll read since we have some time that's on the homework assignment. Do I often participate in corporate praise and prayer while my heart is cold, indifferent, or resistant to the Lord? Are my prayers honest? Do I say words that I think will impress God? Or do I honestly communicate my real feelings and desires to him? Like, Lord, I don't like this right now. I feel so out of control. I feel overwhelmed. But Lord, not my will. Let's be done. I surrender to you. Do I honor him with my lips when my mind and heart are far away? What am I really thinking about when I pray? When I call upon to, when I'm called upon to pray in public, am I more aware of God's presence or the fact that others are listening to what I say? Do I serve God out of a heart of genuine love and devotion, or do I have a subtle, secret desire to be noticed and applauded? Do I volunteer for service and good works to glorify God or to impress others? Am I quick to agree with God when His Spirit convicts me of sin? Or do I tend to rationalize, justify, and defend myself? Do I see my sin as God sees it? Or do I, to think, I tend to think in terms of weaknesses, problems, slip-ups, or personality quirks. I'm just a sanguine, or I'm just a melancholy, or I'm a phlegmatic, or 
I'm a sinner. That's why I do what I do. Do I love the truth so much that I regularly ask God to search my heart and to reveal everything that is displeasing to him? The next section there is honesty with myself. And that comes from James 1 verse 22, where it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Are there truths in God's word that I know in my head or that I preach to others, but I'm not practicing in my life? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We already looked at that scripture for 1 John 1, 8. So under that is, do I ignore, resist, or deny the conviction of God's spirit or his word in relation to my sin? Galatians 6, 3 says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Do I think more highly of myself than what God knows me to be? Do I have an inflated view of my gifts and my value to God and others? The next section, it talks about honesty with others, where Ephesians 4.25 tells us, Therefore, having put away falsehoods, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Do I sometimes seek to create a better impression of myself than is honestly true? Do I often leave others with the impression that I'm more spiritually mature and committed than is actually true? Am I allowing my mate to believe that I'm morally pure and faithful when that is untrue? Am I covering up sins of my past rather than dealing with them biblically? Am I hiding specific sins or failures from my mate, a parent, a teacher, or an employer? Am I guilty of speaking graciously to others while harboring hatred or bitterness in my heart towards them? Do I put up walls to keep people from seeing the real me? Am I willing to let others into my life to be honest about my spiritual needs, to ask for prayer about those needs, and to be accountable to others for areas where I need to grow or change? So those are the, some of the questions that are listed on the homework assignment for those three areas of walking in honesty before God with myself and with others. And again, this is another prerequisite for ongoing revival because if we think we're great people, why seek the Lord? Why go after him, right? But if we realize my heart is black, oh, wretched man that I am, many apostle Paul said, who can deliver me from this body of death? Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because if it wasn't for Jesus or the Holy Spirit, there'd be no hope. No hope for me at all. At all. So be encouraged. You know, be encouraged. Because even though you're seeing things, maybe that you knew were there, but wasn't as clear as it's getting, be encouraged. Because God is just wanting to draw us closer to him. He just wants to draw us closer to him. And I, I listened to something, I might have mentioned it last week, that I was listening to someone sharing on the Holy Spirit, and he was saying how in John 14, Jesus was talking about the helper. He would send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And that those that really want to do the words of Jesus, keep his commandments, 
those are the ones he's going to fill with the Holy Spirit and give the Holy Spirit to because the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to keep his commandments, to do his word. And I was encouraged when I heard that because I said, man, yeah, I want, I want to be obedient to the Lord in that way, but I need him in a greater way to walk in the way he's called me to walk. But that's where we hold on to Ezekiel 36, right? Where he said, I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will put my statutes in your heart. I will cleanse you from all your idols. We have to hold on to that. That's his promise to us. And God's promises are yes and amen. But in order to obtain the promise, we first have to see how much we need what he's saying. And that comes from being honest before the Lord. Lord, you see I'm a mess inside. I'm a mess. And then being honest before others. Yeah, I'm having a hard day today. My so-and-so is getting on my nerves today. I know it's not them, it's me. <laughs> it just shows me I'm not walking in love, you know. But I'm, I'm struggling, you know, just being honest and real, not feeling like we got to hide from the Lord, you know, what's really going on, because he already knows what's really going on. So as you work on the assignment next week, we won't be going over that assignment in the class next week. We'll more well look at the next chapter, which is repentance. What does real repentance look like? But think of someone that you could regularly be honest with about your sins what you're capable of doing. For us that are married, it's great. You could go to your spouses. Jeff and I are constantly talking to each other about the struggles we have inside. And it's such a blessing to have that accountability there. You know, and then we have other people that we trust that we're accountable to and will share what our struggles are. So, you know, it's important to not be afraid to just be honest and real but make sure it's someone you could trust, not someone that's going to blah, 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 and tell everyone in Grant County <laughs> about your struggles. That's where you need wisdom. Who do I share with? And how much do I share with this person? Because you don't want to share too much that might cause them to stumble, especially if they're young in their faith. It can cause them to struggle, you know, some of the things that you confess. So, but the Lord will help you to know. So, so does anyone have any comments before we wrap up in prayer? <laughs> Honesty. Honesty is liberating, right? We saw that. It's liberating, freeing. So maybe someone can close this out in prayer along those lines. Anyone who feels they want to close out in prayer. And then we'll go in the sanctuary because he told me today we'll be in there a quarter after today. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and true and loving and that you will never leave us and never forsake us, Lord. I just thank you for your word, Lord, that just pierces my heart, Lord Jesus, and shows me who I am, Lord, but it's also there with your love and your mercy also, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, for the conviction of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, for the ladies, Lord, that you would all just um, come before you this week, Lord Jesus, that we would make you our priority, Lord, 
we do not let anything else um, steal our time away, Lord Jesus. And I just, Lord, that we just uh, truly seek you, O oh, Lord. Oh,